whenever um, they started singing the song, Little Is Much When God Is In It, <laughs> I thought, and then, then uh, talked about the, the, with the Holy Spirit. I, I was going to use that for an outline with Tabby. That's the outline for my sermon. <laughs> no idea. I didn't, I didn't uh, discuss this with her. But uh, whenever, whenever we see how that, in the sequences of events, um, we, don't, we don't recognize, don't often see things happening in a pattern. And of course, when life is over and we look back over life, there will be this pattern that we're able to see. And, you know, God will say, well, this is, well, this is why this and this is why this. And all these different things just come into play. And it's like, oh, it's perfectly orchestrated. It's all together. Well, um, in our life and the way that we look at things, it just seems like there's interruptions. You know, I've got plans and then there's interruptions. <laughs> and what we have to, I think, what we have to recognize is that God can take, well, I heard this week a quote, the winds of adversity fill the sails of opportunity. Okay, a ship, sailing ship. The winds of adversity fill the sails with, op- with opportunities. And, of course, for us, we think of the winds blowing in our face, we can't get there. But, you know, in sailing, there's is attacking, you know, going back and forth and using the wind to take you forward. And, and that's, that takes some skill, which I don't know how to do with a sailing ship, but we know that it takes, some, it takes skill to go into the wind and go forward going into the wind. But you have to go back and forth. You have to use a different strategy to, take, to, to use it. Well, today I'm looking at, the, the title of my sermon is Multiplying What You Have a Thousand Times. Multiplying what you have a thousand times. Now, in our society, I mean, a good way to illustrate this is, you know, most of the time we think of things uh, easier in the form of finances, okay? If somebody's going to multiply something a thousand times, you say, well, here's a dollar bill. It will multiply it a thousand times. So everybody that has a dollar bill in the offering, God's going to multiply it a thousand times. You know, I know, you want me to take up the offering again, and then you can say amen. No, <laughs> I'm, I'm just kidding, all right? I'm just using this as an illustration. But little is much when God is in it. So often whenever we think in context of things, you know, conceptual things, a thousand times would be, a thousand times one is thousand dollars. So it's easy for us to get the, the understanding one will bring a thousand. Well, in the scriptures, it has a way of telling us that one will put 10,000 to flight. One soldier can put 10,000 when God is in it, when God is there. God can take one and make it multiply to 1,000 times. So in the scripture, well, in our life, it's easy for us. If I said God's going to take what you have, that dollar, and he's going to multiply it 1,000 times, where do we go? Oh, the lottery. <laughs> you know, we, if you go to the lottery, we can, that's how that'll happen. And God is telling no, it's not in chance. There's times and seasons. And, you know, but this isn't talking about God, the lottery of winning God's lottery, put a, put a dollar in and get a thousand back. It's not what it's about. So in the text that we we're looking at this morning, it's Deuteronomy chapter 1, beginning at verse 9, or not, yeah, beginning at verse 9, and it says this. Now, this is Moses talking. He's in the um, desert with the children of Israel. There's a few million of them now. And Moses is leading the children of Israel. And he says, At the time I told you, 
I can't do this. Can't carry you all by myself. So Moses is running into this problem that he's the leader and he's the magistrate. He's the judge. He's the Supreme Court. He is everything to the, to the people of Israel. And Moses just says, I can't do this anymore. Now, it would be easy for us to miss this next section because we're looking at what Moses is going through and the problems that he is facing, and he's about to set himself up with a judicial system, basically the judicial system that we have today with magistrates and, you know, uh, judges and regional judges and courts, Supreme Court of Pennsylvania, Supreme Court. Of the, you have all those. Ma- well, Moses is going to set this up. But before he does that, he gives us this little glimpse of what's going on. <laughs> it's just a little glimpse of what's going on, you know. <laughs> Thank you. He's, he's putting it out there for us to see. God, your God, now he's talking to the children of Israel. God, your God, has multiplied your numbers. Why, look at you. You rival the stars in the sky. And may God, the God of your fathers, keep it up and multiply you another thousand times, blessed you just as he promised. Now, the children of Israel are complaining. There's too many of them. There's too many of them with too many problems and they don't see that what they are in this massive group of millions of people in the desert is a promise fulfilled to one person that says, I will give you a child and that your descendants will be as, as numerous as the stars in the sky and the sands of the sea. It'll be, it'll be as many as you can get, count, okay? So he's, he's looking at this and saying, and, and the children, he's reminding them of the promise. <laughs> he's reminding them of the promise that he had given them. As, as Whenever to one descendant, to one man, this number is there. And Moses then is telling them this. He says, and I can't carry you all by myself, your troubles and burdens and quarrels. Select wise and understanding. So he goes into this whole idea of setting up a judicial system which people can hear the complaints and problems of other people. Now, we can get lost in the promises fulfilled in our life. We can get lost in the promises fulfilled. Look at, we look at our life. And what is it that, I know none of, you, none of us complain at all. You know, we, we, we're beyond that. We're spiritually mature. Yeah. We don't complain any, about anything. You know, no, it's nothing, you know. Sometimes people call you donuts, but, you know. <laughs> I walked in this morning, walked in, she walks in and goes up to you, oh, you feel like a donut. I said, I don't feel like a donut. You know, I'm eating a donut. I don't feel like a donut. But anyhow, when we, we start looking at complaints, we start looking at how God has blessed us. And what are, we, what are we complaining about? We're complaining about adversities, and adversities is the wind that fills the sail of opportunity. What, we're, what is it that we wanted in our lives that God has given us that we now have a problem with? What was the prayer that we were praying for that we now have that we could complain to God about? So is it a problem? See, that's the challenge. And Moses is asking the people that 
God has blessed you. He, you are the promise that God has given to Abraham, and that promise is in your life, and here you are complaining about what's going on in your life, and you're the fulfillment of a promise. And so, you know, this is the whole thing's going on here, and as we, we look at it, you are as the stars of the heaven, for, multi, for you've been multiplied. God make you a thousand times more. Here you are, multiplied beyond, almost beyond recognition, and I'm saying let God multiply you a thousand times more. See, if we don't, if we look at this, if we don't know how to cope with the problems that we have, how are we ever going to be in place to receive the blessing of what God wants to bestow upon us? If God is going to bless us a thousand times more than what we've got, what's, how are we going to handle that? Because we can't handle the blessing he's already given us. Yeah. How great are Moses' desires? How much are they enlarged when he prays that they might be made a thousand times more than ever? Now, we look back at this, and if you add up the entire Jewish nation, the entire Arab nation, you have the descendants of Abraham. And at this time, Moses says, I pray that God will multiply you a thousand times more. Whoa. I mean, there's, there's a lot of people here. And when they're talking about this and when the promise is initiated with Moses, excuse me, when the promise is initiated with Abraham, he doesn't even have a child yet. And so we see all of these come, things coming along, and then we see all the quarrels and all the and, you know, things going on and divisions and all that going on in the nation and in people, and it's all part of them having to grapple with who they are as an individual, who they are as a family, who they are as a nation, who they are as establishing themselves. It's all winds of adversity that are filling the sails of opportunity. So, our faith and hope ought to be as large as the promises of God. Our faith and hope need to be as large as the promises of God. This kind of goes along with, remember the sermon a couple weeks ago about um, in large, you know, to bringing the binoculars, you know? And we're looking back, and Cassie was God back then. Now she's just sitting back there texting. <laughs> she's tweeting my sermon. I'm, 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 I'm just, you know, kidding with her. But... You know, whenever we look back in the scriptures, it's like looking backward through binoculars, you know? We see how God did all this at a distance, way back in time. But we need to recognize that God who is way back in time is the God who's right with us now. So the same God that was with Abraham, the same God that was Moses, the same God who's with us. Things haven't changed. So our faith needs to be as large as the promise. So the Lord bless you as he hath promised you. When you had nothing and you prayed and God has given you, now, he's telling them again, the Lord bless you as he has promised you. And why not hope as God has promised that, why not hope that God is going to do a thousand times more than we are now? Hmm. Well, 
you, you think about the nation of Israel under Pharaoh, <laughs> the nation of Israel went from a few families uh, to a point in which, in, and this is in Exodus 1, 9, 1 8, 9, and 10, a new, king, a new king came to power in Egypt who did not know Joseph. He, took, he spoke to the people in alarm. There are way too many of these Israelites for us to handle. We've got to do something. Let's devise a plan to contain them, lest if there's a war, they should join our enemies and just walk off and leave us. So there were so many thousands of people, millions of people that were the pro, you know, that came out of that small family going to, uh, going to Egypt. And there's such, such a thing that came in there that it just, you know, these people are just too much and they're just going to walk off and leave us. So here they are with Moses complaining about their number and complaining about the problems that they have and complaining to Moses that he's not doing a good enough job to take care of them. Complaining about too many things going on in our life, complaining about how that they come into our life and complaining that we can't handle them. Okay, Philippians chapter 3, verse 13 and 14. Paul says it this way, Forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to the things which are ahead, I press toward the goal of the prize of the upward calling of God in Christ Jesus. You see, we have to realize there are some things we have to let go of. There are some things in life we have to let go of. You know, and, and did you ever... Um, Oh, who's there beside you? Tyler. Tyler, yeah, there he is. Tyler, come here. It's time to wake up. He can't, he can't go to sleep on me here. Yeah, he's got his head down there. He's, 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 he's praying. I could tell. I could tell from here he's praying. Okay, take off your shoes. Now rub your feet back and forth. Yeah. What happens when you do that? Why well, you got friction? Well, then what happens? Touch me. Didn't work. Anyhow, <laughs> go ahead, do it some more. What happens in, you know, forgetting those things which are behind? Well, the children of Israel forgot about the promises that they had brought them to this place of blessing. Are you frictioned up enough? Mm-hmm. Nope. Anyhow, I got static guard. <laughs> <laughs> I got some static guard. You see what happens is we get, huh? Smells pretty good. Yeah, that's right. That's why I wanted you up here to tell me, son. He smells good. You can go back and sit down. All right. So static guard, what happens to, we remember the things that we need to let go of. And sometimes in our life when we're going through and we're ready to complain about problems, we're attracting things that we don't want. Did you, we, be, we are beset by sins that are no longer remembered. We want problems. Whenever you start doing something right and you don't keep the, the downy in the wash, <laughs> you don't allow the blood of Jesus Christ to cleanse you from sin and keep cleansing you from sin, we become static. And whenever we become static, we start attracting things to us that we really don't want and we don't need. 
and they're not part of us. And so Paul says, I've got, to for, I've got to forget those things which are behind. Now, you see, when God has done a lot of stuff in our life, we become complacent. We become, we grumble and complain, you know, I'd rather be back in Egypt. At least we could eat back in Egypt. We're going to make captains and take us back to Egypt. Let's go back to sin. Let's go back to the way things were whenever we could, when we knew what was going to happen. It was going to be bad all the time. <laughs> Not just some of the time. It was going to be bad all the time. And they were going to beat us. And, well, at least we could eat. <laughs> you know? At least we could eat. Let's go back to Egypt. Well, whenever we're walking through life, we come alongside people, and what happens? Some of their sin. Oh, I remember when I used to do that. You know? And if we don't get rid of it, you know, the static from normal life, if we don't allow ourselves to be renewed in God's presence, we, we attract these problems to us and we forget about the promise made to us and we become distracted from where we're at. Now, and, and I, I'm not, I've done, I'm guilty of this. You know, you're not allowed to be, I'm not guilty of this one. You know, texting and driving. Why aren't you allowed to text and drive? It's dangerous. Why is it dangerous? It's a distraction. You're going to run off the road because you're too busy, to, you know. Well, how many can text and walk? It used to be you can't walk and chew gum. Now you can't walk and text. You know, cause why? Because you run into things. And so our ability to run into things when we're distracted really escalates unless we get, keep the distractions away. Forgetting those things which are behind what do I do? I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward calling. What is God calling you to do? If we, here we are in this present text, <laughs> present text, in this present place, knowing that God is with us and he is helping us and he wants us to, he wants to bless us, he puts promises in our life and we're too busy getting caught up in the static. The static whatever that may be, the difficulties that we find ourselves in. And Paul says, I, I'm, I'm not, I'm not, I don't have this all together. I don't have this all together yet. See, there's a difference between self-accomplishment and God-fulfilling promises. In self-accomplishment, there is there is the ability to do things that I have natural talents to do, okay? When I grew up on the farm, <laughs> uh, I had natural talents to be an ox, you know? <laughs> I, had a good, I, was, I could work really hard, and my, you know, everybody, my dad and everybody, they, all, they were all glad that we got David because, you know, he can work hard, you know? <laughs> we don't want him to think, we just want him to work, okay? So, but that was, but that was okay. Now... I can hardly mow my grass. <laughs> but we find that things have changed and what, what would have been really isn't what should be. I can remember, but I can't be that anymore. I've got to be what God wants me to be here and now. And God has a way, and see, we could complain about what we can't do, but recognize God is about doing something. And every one of us have those abilities. We have little as much when God is in it. 
my goals and my desires were too small. When I went to college, I wanted to be a football coach. You know, phys ed teacher. Yes. Gym every day. <laughs> you know, I wanted, that's what I wanted to do. But I could have had the goals and I could have been, you know, a teacher and lived, you know, like the teachers, you know, going to school every, you know, have three months off in the summer, play around all summer, you know, get another job. <laughs> My wife's not up here. She'd hit the, throw something at me. Um, but I got other t- teachers I'll duck. Um, but you see, no matter what that would have been, no matter how great of a coach I could have been, it was still too small for what God's promise for my life is. And it's too small because God can add a thousand times what you think you can be. When God blesses what you are, who you are, it becomes something exponential. Exponential, I like that word, I looked it up. Exponential is rapidly growing, rapidly becoming greater in size. Quantities raised exponentially. The children of Israel, when they moved into Egypt, exponentially exploded as a nation. They were protected by the Egyptians, and they were slaves, but they were protected, and they just blew out as a nation. In a slave captivity, they became a nation. But from that captivity... They became the nation of God, a free, free nation under God. In our life, we can be a thousand times greater than what we can do on our own with God. Now, God has created us for a purpose, a divine purpose. God has created us for a divine purpose. We are not to get mired down in the daily life with the winds of adversity, pulling in our sails, saying, I can't make any headway in this wind. That we need to learn how to go into the wind. <laughs> and tacking and tra- you know, going back and forth in this, in this using, the, using the adversity to our advantage, not to our destruction. God would not allow that. God does not want that adversity because, you see, what happens in adversity is we begin to become static (laughs) with what's going on in our life and we attract the wrong things whenever we become static. So we've got to allow the adversity to take us forward, not become static in in our life and allow things to cling to us that are not supposed to be there. Forgetting what is behind, let it, let it go. Forgive them and let it go. Leaving, forgetting, and let, forgetting what is behind, I press on towards the goal. Press on towards the goal. Let the past go. Open up your vision. See what God wants you to do, how he wants to do it. You know, <laughs> we've been planting flowers um, I've now up to five or six flats of flowers. <laughs> we had some that we planted died already. They got mold on them. <laughs> this, whatever, I don't know what kind of they are. They got mold on them. They de- they're dead. I mean, they're gone. I had to dig them out and plant more. Uh, but we live our lives too long as annuals. Planted, bloom, and die. Planted, bloom, and die. We need to be perennials. Planted, bloom, Ha-ha, come back. The life is still in there. 
It never goes. It just continues to grow. So we need to allow that to take place. But we need... No, I'll hurry up now. Um, we need to recognize that by the, comfort, by the coming of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is God's presence inside of us, initiating the, the good that he wants to do to accomplish it. We can't do this on our own, so that, behold, I send you the promise of my Father. I send it upon you, and allow that. And he told them to tarry in Jerusalem and wait for the presence of the Spirit to come upon them. The power of the Holy Spirit will suffice. The power of God will suffice. You see, little is much when God is in it. When God touches our life, things change. We were at a wedding on um, Friday, July 4th. Uh, my second cousin, was, her daughter was married. And uh, my, the cousin that I, that I was referring to, she called me about six months ago. And she was crying and she was very distraught. She had had breast cancer, and she was undergoing chemo, and her best friend that she met in chemo, uh, they both were in this fight to survive and beat their cancer. Well, six months ago, her friend, um, the, the cancer had returned, and it was very rapidly growing, going through her body. And so she was in the hospital, and there was all these grim reports and things. And we talked. And, and my cousin and her friend don't darken a church door. And, but I began to tell them about God, and I began to explain to her about prayer and how that we can do these things. And, you know, pray and believe that God will be with her and help her and help her friend. And, you know, prayed with them. She had was at peace. And then on Friday, she told me, she said, you know, my girlfriend was in the hospital, and the chaplain came by, and prayed for her. And he, put, he prayed for her and laid his hand on her head. And she said, when he put his hand on my head, this warm feeling just went through my entire body. And I knew I'd be okay. And they, she's not, never been to church. She didn't know what it was. She was asking my cousin to how, what it was. She said, her cancer isn't gone, but it's stopped growing. It just has stopped growing. And they've done more tests, and after they did a number of tests, they just they discharge her from the hospital, and she's still on watch, you know. But her, her cancer isn't gone, but it's not growing. It's not changing. It's been, like, dormant. It's just, it's just kind of froze there. And in our life, you see, the promise of God, why is it that here's this person who's never been in church, can have a chaplain walk by and pray for her, and suddenly God touches her life? Because God's grace and mercy is greater than who we think we are. we are. We are humbly coming before God and asking him for his blessing. We are humbly coming before God and believing that he can take what little I have and touch it and bless it and make it exponentially greater than what I am. Abraham, I'm going to bless you and you're going to have descendants as many as the stars in the sky. God, I don't have a son. I don't have a child but exponentially. And the last story is in 2 Kings chapter 4. One day my, the wife of a man filled of prophets called out to Elisha, Your servant, my husband, is dead. You will know what a good man he was, devoted to God. And now the man to whom he was in debt is on his way to collect by taking my two children as his slaves. 
You know, this is whenever we start looking at life and we start, I did all the right things and nothing works for me. Elisha says, I wonder how I can be of help. Tell me, what do you have in your house? See, whenever we are static, we attract the wrong thoughts, we attract the wrong perspectives, we lose sight of what we have. We lose sight of what we have. And here we're saying, God will, multi- God will multiply a thousand times what you have. First of all, I got, well, you have to figure out what it is that you have. Well, I'm not that good. I'm not that bright. I don't have this. I don't have... No, I didn't say what you don't have. What do you have? Elisha asked this lady, what do you have? And what did she have? She had a little cruise of oil left. Enough to make a few pieces of bread. That's all I got in the house. I have nothing more. And Elisha says to the woman, go and get all the containers you can find in your town and bring them to your house. Now, I got this, less than this amount of oil. And the guy says, go get all the containers in, the, in town and go into your house and lock the door and pour, empty that container, pour what you have into those other containers. How many containers would you go get? <laughs> How many containers would you go and pick up from your neighbors? Well, I got about this. I think I'll go get about the same amount. You know, because, you know, little is much when God is in. Whenever we listen, see, one word from God, one word, the word of God was spoken and the world came into existence. When God speaks to our heart, what he says takes the little that we have and multiplies it. It takes the little that we have and makes it greater. And Moses said that, you know, you've been a thousand times a thousand may, may it be multiplied a thousand times unto you. Well, a thousand times a thousand is a million. <laughs> and then we put a million times one, two, ten, exponentially. So the prophet says, take, go and get, come in and lock the door. I always wondered about it. Why, do you, why does he want her to lock the door? Number one, how long do you think it's going to pour about, a, about a, a quarter of this into every container you can find? It's not going to come gushing out. and it's, He's just going to, it's like, whoa, <laughs> just, that was an end. And it, gets, and it goes to the point, he says, go and you know, bring me another container. Every container they had was filled by less than a quarter of what's in this container. Why? Because she went and got what she had. See? Static will try to, well, all I've got is a bunch of stuff clinging to me that I want rid of. Go and take what you have. Allow God to bless it, his word spoken to your life over what he's going to do with this little thing that we have. And... She went and got, she filled up all the containers she had, went and told the prophet, Elisha, what had happened. And Elisha says, sell everything you have, sell that, and um, sell that, 
and pay off your debt and use the rest to live on. Thousand times what you have. What you have. See, we're praying and looking for God to dump something out of the sky. (laughs) Where is this? Give me a sign. Give me a sign and I'll know that. Take what you have. Allow God to bless it with his promise. Not make God bless. Hey God, this is what I want blessed. No, no. God will tell you what he's going to bless you with. Take what you have. Allow him to bless it and see what happens. You see, we are part. We are part. We are part. Everybody say that. We are part of every miracle God will perform in my life. We are part of every miracle God will perform in my life. God's not going to do this for you. He's going to do it with you. Even if it's only a quarter of a teaspoon. You're going to get the containers, you're going to do the pouring, and you're going to watch God multiply. We are a part of every miracle that God will perform. The Holy Spirit is the ex-potential factor. God will do a work in our life. One word spoken from God can create the universe. One word spoken by God to your life can take this little quarter thing and fill as many oil, fill as many containers as you have enough faith to bring into your house. (laughs) You see the difference? Exponentially. And it's not by your abilities, it's by his grace and his mercy he's going to make it happen. Do you believe that? Okay, I'll ask this group. Do you believe that? (laughs) Do you believe that? And that's God speaking to us. That's, that's That's not just... That's God's word speaking to our life. Allow God's word to speak to your life and see what happens. Allow God to speak to your life and see what happens. And this week, this week, something is going to happen and you're going to be faced with a a little cup of opportunity. And we're either going to become static and grumble and complain or we're going to take this little cup of opportunity and we're going to pour it into the containers that we believe God wants us to have and he'll fill them up to overflowing. It's not an adversity. It's a cup of opportunity. Amen? Let's stand. Little is much when God is in it. (laughs) Little is much when God is in it. His word spoken to our Father. We are so privileged to be your children. God, you want to do so much in our life and we're so static. (laughs) We can't get rid of the things that cling to us. God, let your love, your forgiveness, your blood, O God, cleanse us from all evil Make a renew a right spirit within us. Renew our hearts and our minds. Renew us, Lord, to think your thoughts and to believe, Lord, your promises and to receive of your word to us that we might fulfill your plan, that you might perform the miracle in our lives that little as much, the little that we look at, 
God is so much whenever you touch it. Speak to our hearts this day and to our lives this week. And when we are about to complain, (laughs) remind us of the static of disbelief. And Lord, the favor of a promise. Amen? I can't get you to be a little more vocal. Amen? Amen. 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 Bless you. Ha, ha, ha.